Welcome, Scouts, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. (laughs) This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 82, Sunset. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened in the Attack on Titan anime, so you've been warned. Scouts, you know, like the Scouts... Because there's not many left, so we got to acknowledge them as much as possible. You're so clever. <laughs> I guess it's better than calling ourselves the Jaegerists. I know. I thought about that at first, but then I was like, no. No. <laughs> no, fuck, we don't subscribe to the Jaegerists. Fuck King Flock or whatever <laughs> they're calling him on social media now. But hey, we're back. We are back from our vacation in Las Vegas, and we are tired, so just putting that out there. It was a fun vacation, but we arrived back in Chicago at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Thanks to delays and traveling and all of that fun stuff. But we're excited to be talking about Attack on Titan. As you mentioned last week, this episode is going out just a day late because of the way our, our trip aligned um, with when we normally record this episode. So thank you, everyone, for your patience. And yeah, here we are. It's now thursday as of this episode going out and we're ready to talk all about attack on titan because this episode was uh was good but exposition heavy i think yeah how fitting that this episode is titled sunset because i feel like i'm about to fall asleep to the sight of a sunset (laughs) (laughs) after all the fun that we had on our vacation seeing family um but yeah Coming back into Attack on Titan, I think it was kind of nice that this was just a, another sort of breather episode. Um, not much happened, uh, I guess, in terms of action. And I know Matt and Audrey from Otaku Melancholy have kind of laid claim to this term with their AOT review series. But this episode was very much Attack on Titan. Um, <laughs> right? That was just conversations skewed throughout the the entire um area of parodies uh but i feel like we kind of needed that because every episode at least in part two up until this point has been very um intense and battle focused here we get kind of a status update on where everyone's at and what's going on and kind of leading us into you know now that you know the rumbling is happening and we're all coming down off that high like what happens next what are people thinking right now what's the the lay of the land, no pun intended, because it's getting smushed <laughs> right now. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it just seems yeah. like a necessary breather. I know we called last week's episode a breather as well, but this one seems necessary in the sense that we're kind of getting um, a grasp around where everyone's at mentally with all this shit going down. Yeah, I think last week I was saying that the episode was a breather in terms of you just trying to catch your breath after running a marathon. Here it's a breather in the sense that you've collapsed onto the ground and are (laughs) fully catching your breath. Um, And yeah, I kind of enjoy that we continue to see the fallout from the start of the rumbling as you see these citizens and these soldiers of Paradis um, left to kind of pick up the pieces and figure out what to do next. And so you get more of that with this episode. Of course, we also see the proper return of Annie Although I feel like she wasn't utilized very much for the entirety of this episode that I had originally thought. But I think more importantly, we get another return at the very end of this episode as 
my boy Levi is still hanging in there. He did not give up on his dreams and die. And so that was a nice thing to <laughs> a nice thing to watch um, in the airport right before our flight back home. I know you watched it on your computer while we were in the terminal or the, the gate, and I was gonna watch it separately after we landed. So I was trying not to look at your screen, and I just so happened to look over at your screen as as Hanj and Levi appear, and I'm like, well, there you go. I got the the nice big reveal at the end, um, right at the beginning. But it was still epic rewatching the episode and and seeing the full context of that scene. Yeah, I would say that was the only thing that mattered to me in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get into the the granular about what actually transpired in episode 82, a few housekeeping items. As always, we do want to mention thank you to everyone who has reviewed us or rated us on Spotify because we have finally reached over 50 ratings Ooh. on Spotify for Strictly Anime. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a fun milestone. We're excited about it. And now we're looking to, to reach 100 ratings. That would be wow, pretty cool. Wow, ambitious, are we? Yeah, triple digits. Let's do it. Um, we also are approaching our two-year anniversary here at Strictly Anime. And to celebrate, we have an upcoming episode where we will be doing a Q&A. Um, so anyone who has a burning question for us about you know anime or unrelated to anime, if you want to ask us about us, about our podcast, about anything really, um, we are taking questions at all of our social media or via all of our social media, including Instagram at the Strictly Series. Um, we sent out a tweet asking for questions on our Twitter page at Strictly Series. Um, and then via a, a thread on our Discord server, the link to join our Discord server is in the description. Um, or if you want to send us an email, you can do that. If you're a patron, you can send us a, a Patreon message. Um, and we are accepting audio questions from our patrons. So if you're if you're brave, if you want to be on the podcast um, and, and share your, your question that way, then that would be great. Send this over to us. So if you're interested in also submitting a question to celebrate our two-year anniversary um, and be part of our, our Q&A episode, then find us via any of those channels. Send the questions in, um, ideally by Friday, which is tomorrow, technically, by the time this episode goes live. But if we have a few of them slide in on Saturday, um, that should be totally fine as well. So yeah, send us your questions if you want us to answer something. Yeah, put us in the hot seat. This I'm, is your chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very eager to hear what the Strictly family has to ask us. I know we've gotten some pretty interesting questions that I'm I'm really excited to answer. So keep them coming. We love it. And in Attack on Titan news, I believe there is a major announcement around an episode delay. Is that right? Oh my God. Is there? <laughs> is there? Oh, I thought you were going to share it. I can share it. I mean, I, I'd heard news of it from one of our friends, I think over the weekend. And I think there was a what, an Instagram post from one of the anime um, news outlets that said that they were delaying the broadcast of the final episode by one week due to a special event in Japan. That's correct. So episode 87 has been delayed a week from March 27th to April 3rd due to a quote-unquote special program, um, as I'm reading off here on gamesradar.com. There's not much context around it. Some people are speculating that it's because Attack on Titan is going to finish with a movie. Um, you know, we haven't been spoiled spoiled yet, but some manga readers have shared that 
you know, the way that these episodes are progressing, they can't see them cleanly ending Attack on Titan in the remaining episodes. So that's why there is some speculation that a movie is coming out. I I think I've shared this before. I personally would like to see it wrap up in the seasonal format. However, I wouldn't be mad if there was a movie. As long as they do whatever they need to do to give the show the ending that it deserves, a clean ending, an amazing ending, then I'm I'm happy for that. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if there's extra Attack on Titan content. I mean, for me personally, I would prefer that they wrap the series up in tv format um and that's just the purest in me because for us we've been watching attack on titan as a tv anime since the very beginning um i think i still would have to warm up to the idea of it being in a movie format and i think it would probably be more beneficial to the community like the attack on titan fandom because we could all you know gather in a theater and get to experience this um, as as a community, as an Attack on Titan family, um, one last time, rather than us just being in our individual homes and experiencing it on our own. Although I'm sure people would still have Attack on Titan watch parties either way. Um, but I guess, like, yeah, a movie would give it a grander scale, and maybe MAPPA would be able to devote more resources and more budget to creating a, an epic finale to the series in a cinematic format. Do we think that there's uh, a delay because the team needs a bit more time to finish up that last episode? Because there have mm. been some some small little tidbits here here and there that the, the team working on Attack on Titan is pretty much going into full-on crunch mode. Some of them haven't been home in several days. Like these are the, the things that I'm hearing and seeing on Twitter. So I'm wondering if, if it's a way to just give them a little more time. Or maybe it is like a, a true delay because there's a special program to announce a movie. It's just weird that they would do that in the middle of the season and then push back the the last episode versus, I guess, doing the special program after the season ends to announce additional content. I don't know. Like it's It's really up in the air until we get to that point and know what the special program is supposed to be all about. Is it really a special program related to attack on titan or is it a special program unrelated to the anime at all i don't think we know yeah i don't know mm. it, it could be a special program completely unrelated to attack on titan it could just be whatever broadcasting or whatever tv channel it's on needed that time slot but what what tv station or channel would be dumb enough to delay attack on titan for some other programming that's got to yeah. be some pretty pretty epic programming to delay the biggest anime of all time also i've just learned that it, it's annoying that uh these tv productions or um these studios like they, they withhold the news of how these how this series is going to end whether it's going to be part two as the final part of the series or whether or not they will have a movie to wrap it up or if they'll have a part three like it's just frustrating that we're we're kept in the dark until the very last minute um in terms of how attack on titan is going to end it's kind of like they're just stringing us along instead of being just transparent with us and again i don't know if this is just something that's common 
and in in the anime industry but nonetheless it's it's annoying i feel that yeah because i i went into the first part of attack on titan the final season thinking this is it for some reason it's only like what 12 episodes but i was like this is it Mm -hmm. i guess the show is ending and they were like no just kidding there's a part two i'm like okay so this is it it's ending after these next 12 episodes this is it and then now i'm hearing well potentially just kidding there may be another piece of this a movie coming out and i'm like damn like it's not that i want it to end but i just don't want to keep thinking it's going to end and then it keeps continuing because then it kind of kills the feeling a yeah, little bit then it feels like the walking dead oh my god <laughs> don't even get me started but to your point i mean we've had other anime on occasion give us some pretty solid updates like the the rising of the shield hero gave us an announcement that that show was not only getting one additional season, but a, another additional season, making it three seasons total up until, I don't know, it's probably going to continue after that. But we got a confirmation essentially about two additional seasons. That was pretty cool. And then for Teasing Master Takagi-san, we got confirmation that there was going to be a season three plus another movie potentially ending that story. So at least like those those shows were pretty transparent up front about what to expect. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like a bit confused sometimes about where attack on Titan is headed in terms of like the, the timeline of things. I can also see them just delaying it because the studio needs more time to work on it because MAPA has been spreading itself pretty thin this year. Holy shit. Announcement after announcement of what they're working on. Yeah. They've got a lot on their plate, but I'm sure it's all hands on deck for attack on Titan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, like I said, if, if they need to have a delay for whatever reason in order to cleanly wrap things up, that's fine with me. I I don't like it, but I would rather it be that way than get some botched last episode. Yeah, it's kind of like seeing delays in the video game industry. Nine times out of ten, it's always to the game's benefit. Um, <laughs> and when they don't delay it, then it's full of bugs. And you have yeah. to wait for patches and, and all this other shit, and that's just frustrating. I guess the risk here with um, anime is that we've had one outlier um, that was delayed, and it turned out to be the worst thing for 2021. Wonder Egg Priority? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Oh, my God, that was bad. That was bad. Uh, but we have moved on since then. Cloverworks is doing better things now. <laughs> but let's dive into it. Let's dive into... Today's episode, episode 82, Sunset. We touched on this a little bit already, um, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, again, it's it's a slower episode, but I really enjoyed the context that we got. I wish, to your point earlier, we got more around Annie, but this is the first time we're getting actual deep thoughts from Annie. Some, some pretty big things were admitted in this episode. Yeah, I think the episode does well in painting Annie in a different light than us. I think when we last saw her, I guess within the present timeline, not with like the flashbacks from part one, she was like kind of the scapegoated enemy of Paradise um, in her final like showdown with Aaron before she crystallized. Um, But here, like you said, we get a little bit more into her backstory and what her motivations are for fighting this war and it feels a lot more justified than you know us originally thinking annie was was there to just tear shit up in parodies this is kind of the reiner effect happening all over again we were so like super pissed at him after the big reveal from season three 
and we all hated him because he was a traitor. But then we go into season four, and now we're all kind of like, poor Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> poor guy. Well, he just wants to die. We don't want him to die necessarily, but he just wants to die. <laughs> so we're kind of getting a little bit of that here with Annie, and I think it's going to be tougher to uh, or more difficult for us to be turned around on Annie because she has been pretty cold the entire mm-hmm. time she's been in the show. So this was a very interesting conversation. But let, let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis and then we can talk more uh, in more detail about the conversation between Annie and Hitch. All right. So before the sun sets on this episode, let's go ahead and jump into our synopsis and discussion for Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 82, Sunset. The exodus of the Wall Titans rumbles onward as our attention shifts towards the Trost district, where the citizens clamor over the ethics of Aaron Jaeger monsters' intentions, seeking to tip something over and get the lifeguard in their demands for justice. Hitch tries to keep the peace with her military police comrades, but gets a whiff of her former roomie Annie breaking out of her crystal carbonite chamber, and the latter coerces her into escaping the military's clutches. Annie then confides in her former flatmate and tells her that despite her turbulent upbringing and rigorous combat training from her adoptive father, she has decided to hang up her gloves and reunite with him after he lamented about being as shitty of a father to her as Grisha was to Zika's Christ, or any a number of fathers in anime, really. Back in Shigan's Shonen Jump District, Armin has an aneurysm and blows up on Mikasa as he tries to figure out what the fuck to do next, but subsequently apologizes to her and regrets not giving up on his dreams and dying like Erwin did before he rendezvous with Gabby in search of Falco Punch. In the military fort, Waka Flocka continues to be a flaming fuckboy and asserts his power over the anti-Marlian volunteers, bullying them into submission whilst persuading Mikasa and John to dip into their 401ks and retire as the heralded heroes of the new Eldian Empire. As this titan of a talking episode draws to a close, we see Connie Boy take an awakened Falco Punch north towards Ragakuten Village, where the amnesiatic best blonde boy thanks the stop-at-nothing Springer for looking out for a homie, despite Connie's secretly morbid intentions. But let's be honest, none of this episode mattered until the final scene, where Metal Gear Hanj approaches an abandoned peak the Putrid and Commander Maggot for their help in reviving the most precious human being ever to grace the fields and walls of paradise. Mark my words, dear listeners, low rise Levi shall rise again. Again, the only thing that mattered in this episode. <laughs> I, I I think the episode had a lot of great things. I think... No. It did. <laughs> but no, yes, no, I, no. I agree. The, the most exciting part was the reveal at the end. Yeah, I'm just being facetious. <laughs> well, the episode starts off with giving us a status update on the people of Paradise. There's an obvious divide happening here um, on whether Aaron is doing the right thing. You've got, you know, on one, one side of things, uh, these Eldians saying that innocent other Eldians were killed due to his actions when the, the walls came down. Um, and these are supposed to be the same Eldians he claims to want to protect. On the other side of things, um, those folks are saying that these few sacrifices are necessary to ensure that Aaron can protect Paradise from the inevitable invasion And yeah, I can just see this divide growing and growing as things progress. I mean, this is the whole reason we have the Jaegerist part of the the scouts now. And plus, there were countless other deaths in prior seasons caused by the honorary Marleans. 
right, as they were infiltrating Paradis. Um, there were also countless deaths um, under Erwin's command when the scouts were doing right. what they were doing when they were in their heyday. So it, I think it's just becoming a question of, like, will these deaths really matter in the end, whatever Aaron's end goal is, whether it be virtuous or destructive? Yeah. We also get a Shinzo Wosageo. We haven't gotten that in a while. I think the last time we got that was probably part one when the Jaegerists were all cheering or chanting or it was something like, it outside. Was a, it was a citizen's uprising outside right. the military yeah. headquarters. And I think I commented on this that last episode, but here again, um, the Shinzo Sasageo sounds more like a... It sounds less like a, a, a rallying cry for freedom and kind of more like a, like a cult chant. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. It was just interesting to get that from regular people yet again when before we had only really ever heard that from the scouts themselves yeah one thing i wanted to comment on in this first scene is that it opens up with that um, title letting us know that they're in the trust district i kind of got like uh dunkirk vibes the film dunkirk by chris nolan Ooh, yeah where i think they kind of use those like that same kind of title to show like the the viewers i'm sure i forget if it was like the time stamp or like the location of where certain characters in that film were i can't remember but i i know what you're talking about i do remember in that film that they're they had those kind of title card not title cards but those cards showing us some sort of status of something yeah and they, they kind of worked with how that film played out uh, but i think what it does here or what i kind of got here is like showing again the different perspectives of what's going on in parodies now that Aaron has activated the rumbling uh, and then here of course you see with the citizens not knowing how to justify Aaron's actions or whether they're pro Aaron or anti Aaron it's like you, you see the power vacuum that's starting to sprout up uh, again in the wake of the rumbling we also get Hitch Hitch is back. Um, she's taking command. Like, what the fuck? I thought she wanted to be lazy in the inner walls. She does say later that her only meaningful job was picking up bodies and debris left in the wake of, like, Annie's team and now Aaron's team. But, yeah, I was like, I, I forgot about Hitch. I mean, I didn't entirely forget about her because we did see the um, the third AOT OVA. The second. Second OVA. Yeah, that's right. That had um, a flashback to. Or maybe it was the third. No, the, the Lost Girls one? Was it yeah, the, that was, was sorry. That, yeah, that was the third. The second was um, Levi's backstory. Yeah, and, and that was kind of cool seeing Hitch, but that was for a, a brief moment. Um, here, it's it's weird because she takes a center stage in this episode. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that we watched those OVAs because I forgot that there is a close connection between Hitch and Annie um, from previous seasons that we might have not remembered because they were roommates. Uh, yes, because they, they both were part of the military police. And I don't know if you caught this, but when Annie goes in to apprehend Hitch and like um, kind of holds her hostage, Hitch actually takes her down using the same move that Annie always or is, is known for. Yeah, I did catch that. I wasn't entirely sure if I was correct in that, but yeah, good to hear that that, that is actually the Annie move that she used. Yeah, where she like, 
what was it like she carries her over her shoulder and yeah then, flips over her yeah. her back or whatever well speaking of annie next status update that we get in this episode is annie and her return after eight years i think we said like it's four act- years well like- eight years actively um on attack on titan because oh, obviously we right. had gaps between seasons but four mm-hmm. years in the actual timeline of yeah. attack on titan so it's been a long time annie welcome back <laughs> <laughs> She also gives us some pretty interesting reveals. I, I think the second, my, my second favorite part of this episode has to be the insight that we get around Annie and, and her inner thoughts. My favorite part of this episode was actually the conversation between Mikasa and Armin. We'll get to that in a little bit. But here Annie reveals that she was conscious the entire time she was in the crystal, listening to both Hitch and Armin. She actually names <laughs> both of them because they're probably the only two people that would talk to her and visit her. And I just think that's so funny that she also named Armin. <laughs> yeah, so it makes you wonder what Armin was whispering to her. I know. <laughs> I was like, did Armin reveal his crush to her at any point? Or his crush mm-hmm. on her at any point during those four years? He's like, oh, girl. He may you, have. <laughs> girl, you looking fine in that crystal. <laughs> <laughs> Does she know that Bertolt's dead? That, like, Armin ate Bertolt? Like, well, I don't... I would... I don't know what Armin could have talked to her about. I'm pretty sure when we saw Armin... Um, in a part one episode talking in front of Annie's crystal, he mentions how he sees Bertolt's memories. Oh, that's right. So yeah, she probably does know that then. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Does she know that Reiner tried to shoot himself in the face? I don't (laughs) don't think anybody knows that technically. I think he was alone during that scene. But yeah, there's, there's... So I find this interesting from a writing perspective because this means that Isayama doesn't have to take the time for characters to catch Annie up. And mm. he doesn't have to take the the time to show us Annie's reaction to hearing certain news. She's already known all along. So I don't. I'm not gonna call it a cop out. I, I don't think it is. It doesn't feel like one. It just is a smart writing choice to make Annie conscious the entire time, so that she can basically say, "I know what's going on. I was hearing you guys. I already had my reactions when you told me those things. You know, back whenever. I don't need to give you my reactions now." So yeah, I guess the memes of her kind of just walking into <laughs> Paradise and being like, what the hell's going on? Those are all moot. Yeah. Um, it, I guess it kind of makes sense because if you think about the Warhammer Titan, the original wielder was also in a crystal, but she wasn't like, um, she wasn't kept away from anything that was going on. She was still sentient um, in her Warhammer Titan form. True. And she did, like, she could open her eyes and, like, look. Right. Remember, she, like, looked at Aaron right before he ate her. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if Armin was just talking to Annie and her crystal and he, he looks up and he just sees her eyes open. That would be <laughs> fucking freaky. Oh my God. That's like th- something out of a horror movie. Oh, that's weird to think about. It's like her <laughs> reacting to something he just said, like, oh, I saw Bertolt's memories. And then she realizes that Bertolt's dead and her eyes are just. That's like that, that SpongeBob meme of um, fucking Squidward asleep and his eyes are closed and the next panel is him with his eyes like wide open all bloodshot (laughs) that's what that would be for annie Mm -hmm. if she could or or did open her eyes um but she also confirms that you know in in addition to knowing what's been going on because of hitch and armin chatting to her all these years she did immediately hear aaron's um conference call because she was thawed out of her crystal before he made that call so she is aware of what the hell's going on with aaron and in the next scene, I believe Annie and Hitch are riding on horseback away from, like, all of the shit that's going down. Yeah, because um, Annie coerced her into 
take or letting her escape. And then Hitch was like, okay, I'll help you escape. Yeah. And so we get Annie's pretty much like the reveal around her guilt and her backstory for why she did what she did. And there are some interesting takeaways from this. So she explains that they were praised for killing both people, uh, sorry, for killing people who are both enemies and innocents um, to atone for Eldian's sins of the past. We are we already knew that, but this just kind of reinforces that idea of the brainwashing that happened um, you know, with with the warrior candidates and really a, among all of the Eldians outside of Paradise because here Annie's like, well, this is just what I was told and this is how I was raised. So that's all I thought that I needed to do was just kill everyone in our way. And then Annie also says that saving the world never really mattered to her. Um, and like I said earlier, we all kind of felt this was the case with Annie because she's always been very cold throughout the show. But here it, it confirms that she really is disconnected and apathetic about everything because of the way that she was raised, because of the environment that she was in, because of all the things that she's constantly been told. Um, and yeah, like she she's behaving this way throughout the entire show because that's just how she is. It kind of explains that scene from part one where she, we saw her crush, I think it was a grasshopper, and you see her crushing another insect again in a flashback in this episode wasn't um, that the same insect from part one when we got the flashback of like reiner and Bertolt and annie is like young warrior candidates i think no i, I just said it was a, a grasshopper because it, it was green this one wait, then was, what did she smush this time around yeah it looked brown i couldn't tell oh <laughs> maybe i looked away because i don't like bugs <laughs> I, mean, I can look up the clip really quick um all right so i pulled up the scene um, on my laptop here and looked up the original insect that annie crushed um it was a grasshopper in part one in the flashback this time around it looks like a, a large fly. <laughs> I think it might be a stag beetle. Is that the horn in the front? I don't uh, know. This is gross. Okay. Yeah, I definitely was not paying attention because I hate insects. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's two different insects that Annie's crushing, but I think it that just confirms her disregard for, like, life, any kind of life having value. But I think it was up until the point that her adoptive father had apologized for putting her through all of that rigorous training and saying that he would wait for her to come back from her mission. That's where like Annie finally had a sense of purpose. Like she, she still is, has that like misanthropic tendency, but now like there, there's a reason for her to, to come home. You know, after she fucked up his leg, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that explains why he walks with a cane. She fucked up his leg. Um, but no, yeah, there's like a, a very obvious shift here that reminds us that she's still human at the end of the day. Like, yeah, she's cold and unfeeling for the most part, but she does have something important to her. She admits that. She says that she has a father waiting for her return. And like her, other people have something important waiting for them. So she can't say that nothing matters anymore. Um it's, got, it's sort of like um, you could say that's what Aaron's doing right now because he's doing it for his family back home, which I presume would be Mikasa, Armin, the remainder of Levi's squad. Yeah. And I kind of was wondering what was that, that trigger for her to have that shift? 
and you mentioned it's when her father um, apologizes to her. I think that's one trigger. I think the other one is when she's fighting Aaron in season one, and he basically almost kills her, and she goes into the crystal. I think that's her her desperate attempt to stay alive to fulfill that mission, mm-hmm. and that. I don't know if that's necessarily like the exact moment she kind of had that thought shift of, you know, nothing matters. I just need to get back to my dad versus everything matters. Everything has importance to other people, um, but I still need to get back to my dad. I wonder if it was over those four years of hearing things from Hitch and Army and about, you know, people dying. And, you know, as the scouts continued to die off, I'm sure they told her about that. Maybe that's a slow burn of her starting to realize other people have important things too and i just can't i can't behave as if nothing matters yeah and i think that's kind of why she has lost the the luster to fight and just wants to return home to uh liberio and yeah i think we we've seen the scene um between her father her and her father right before she leaves for her um infiltration mission but i think in season 1 in that season's finale we we only see a shot of like their house and the i think there's like some foliage next to it but the background is always like whited out so you never see like you you presume that they're out in like this this forested or like this like grasslands area but here we get the context that it's just this district somewhere i presume in, in liberio where it's like a a valley within like the like sewage ditches it looks like um yeah it does not look glamorous that's right. for sure so i like that they kind of opened up that scene more here and and so showed us like i guess annie growing up in the thick of it <laughs> is the, <best laughs> the full context it. around her right. surroundings yeah she also admits um and this i think was one of the most important takeaways she admits that her actions are unforgivable, but if she had to do it all again in order to get back to her father, she would do it all again. And that's an interesting thought because, like, does that play into Aaron and the fact that, yes, he mm. has to kill people? People are going, not, not that he has to kill innocent people, but innocent people are going to die because he needs to get to where he needs to go. And would he do it all over again in order to achieve his ultimate goal? Probably. I mean, probably, right? Yeah. It goes back to what the citizens in the first scene were discussing. Like, And I think it's sort of like that moral dilemma of the, the train on the track, um, sacrificing a group of people or like one person, Yeah, like, which would be more ethical. Um, I also just got you know, to, to tie in uh, The Last of Us joel vibes from from her from from what she was saying about i'd do it all over again oh that's all oh yeah that's all i will touch upon Um, oh now i remember that (laughs) yeah but again it's just like like the things that we fight for right um how far we are willing to go to do the things that we or to save or to protect the ones that we love and it's it's apparent here with Annie as it is with Aaron. Um, I guess the last thing I wanted to call out is we've said that Annie's backstory is very similar to Reiner's. I think they're both kind of like this half Eldian, half foreign blood. Or I yeah, guess it, that was an interesting tidbit yeah, about like Annie. Reiner, I think, is actually um, half Marleyan. Um, 
here i don't think they ever specify what the other half of annie's heritage is i also want to say that she has similarities to zeke's upbringing because they both had fathers that wanted to to push them towards a certain agenda but then we find out in the end that they regret not treating them respectively like a, a daughter or a son yeah that is an interesting parallel and they're both blonde so there you yeah, go too. <laughs> well speaking of annie's dad the next status update that we get is the Eldians of Liberio trying to convince the Marlian soldiers that they did in fact get a conference call from Aaron Yeager. And I forgot that they have to try and convince all non-Eldian people of what they saw. And I'm like, this makes sense. It makes sense that there's going to be a struggle between the Marlians and the Eldians when they're just trying to save everyone's skin, but the the Marlians or wherever those particular Eldians are being held, um, you know, the, trying to convince them, they're, they're all going to think that they're lying. Like it's just mm-hmm. watching this, I, d- I did not think about that at all. I just figured, oh, everyone will believe the Eldians and then they'll all work together or something to, to try to survive. But no, that's certainly not the case. And I also can't wait to see how this plays out if Aaron and the Wall Titans do reach Marley. Like the Eldians are just going to stand there and be like, we fucking told you so. We told you so. We tried <laughs> to warn you, but you didn't listen to us. I'm, I'm just wondering if, you know, it, like the wall titans will just walk around liberio instead of trampling <laughs> they'll walk it. over liberio right. <laughs> just that one giant step <laughs> over the district <laughs> and yeah it's it's because you know annie wants to return home but then we see mr leonhardt here like it's left ambiguous whether or not he was shot down by the Marlian guards. I don't understand this moment because if he wants to get reunited, wants to be reunited with Annie, why would he put himself in harm's way? Why wouldn't he just comply in order to, I guess, try to stay alive and then find like an alternate, you know, route to to get out of Liberio or to to survive the rumbling? I just think it's weird that you want to meet up with Annie, but then you go and potentially attack a soldier. I don't know what's what's going on there. Yeah, I, unless he is so desperate to see her again, um, knowing that the 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 rumbling is a an imminent threat on Marley, that he will he will do whatever he can to reunite with her, whether that's with him on Marley or um, with her on Paradise. True, it was a moment of him essentially panicking because he was desperate to do what he needs to do to to see his daughter. I think the transition between the scene in Marley over to uh, Shiganshina was interesting because it ends with that kind of Sopranos black gunshot. And then it cuts to Sh- uh, Shadis, Commander Shadis. Shadis? Shadis. Potato know. Sergeant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, as he recovers back in the, the fortress and he looks out and hears a gunshot. I just thought, is it is he hearing the gunshot from Marley? But then as I was watching the episode, I'm wondering if that's this scene with him and the cadets takes place as Flock is torturing that one anti Marleyan volunteer where you also hear a gunshot. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even notice the gunshot on the shotist side of things. But that mm-hmm. makes sense. I think that what is I think what's happening here, because like the rumbling is still going on, those wall titans are still marching. I think this is like everyone's status at the exact same moment. Like what is everyone doing right now versus 
chronologically, if that makes sense. Or like they're all happening simultaneously. Yes. Yeah. So here with the um, with the status update on Shadis and the cadets, um, he finally gets acknowledged and thanked by the cadets that betrayed him in part one of the final season. And he reveals that he let him or he let them beat him up in order to protect them. And I'm like, that's kind of an interesting thing to say. Like, how how true is that, do we think? Did, did Shadis really allow them to beat him up in order, in order to protect them from Flock in the grand scheme of things? Or is he just trying to, like, you know, play up? Like, well, I let you beat me up, even though he just doesn't want to admit that he got beat up by a bunch of kids. Yeah. I guess this too, like this also is just context for why he made that decision. I think he he knows, like he he says he's of the old regime, and he I would hope, like in the bottom of his heart, he hopes for a brighter future for these cadets. But seeing how the Jaegerists had control of the situation back then, he didn't want their lives to be taken away in vain if they were to um, turn on the Jaegerists. Very true. And he's planting seeds of like doubt and, and revenge among the Jaegerists by telling these Jaegerists that are now defectors to go back into the Jaegerists and just do what they need to do to survive, but be ready for the time or for, for the moment that will ev- eventually come where they need to rise up. Gamers rise up. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is, is kind of fucked up because... Here we see the cycle beginning anew with Faw calls it the, the Eldian Empire, kind of just reestablishing what was the status quo before uh, before the coup with Historia. Like, I guess in this sense, it's like a, a new sense of Eldian supremacy, but you're just you're putting Eldians again as this threat against the world rather than reconciling with the world which is interesting to note because armin and mikasa have a very similar conversation where armin is saying we need to get the remaining titan shifters on our side because if things don't go according to aaron's plan we could see another two thousand years of fighting among the eldians and needing the the nine titans and all this stuff so yeah it's Mm -hmm. like this theme of like it's either make or break like you either have to break out of the cycle through Aaron's plan or be ready to just go right back into the same the same uh spiraling downward type of situation the same cycle that that they've been in for quite some time although right now Paradise is just in chaos right and it's (laughs) here's my dark knight reference it's (laughs) introduce a little anarchy which is the start of the rumbling upset the established order which is you know the we'll see flock and the jaegerist um try to create order uh, yeah you're fresh on those dark knight yeah. references because we just watched the movie <laughs> over the weekend <laughs> yeah so now everything becomes chaos so there you can tick that off your your bingo cards <laughs> <laughs> well the next status update in this episode is mikasa and armin and like i said this this conversation i think was my favorite of all of them in this episode and mostly because, as weird as it is to say, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Because on one hand, you have Mikasa, who has... She's been so used to following orders that she relies on Armin and can't think much for herself. And then on the other hand, you have Armin, who's been thrust into this position of power with people relying on him, including Mikasa. And he is completely overwhelmed. And they just want to help each other, but they can't even 
help the other person. Like Mikasa wants to help Armin, but she can't think of anything for herself. And Armin wants to help Mikasa, but he can't give her any answers. He can't give her any solutions. And these are two best friends, childhood friends. And if, if they're, you know, at, at, at such a place, I can only imagine how difficult it is for other people trying to navigate everything that's happening with the rumbling. And we talked about uh, this a little bit in the previous episode when Gabby was asking Armin all these questions about why Aaron is doing this and why he can't just go talk to Aaron. And Armin's probably like, bitch, I don't know, go ask him yourself. But this is just furthering that point that he he doesn't have all the answers. He's too inexperienced to have all the answers, even though he has a lot of potential. And that's why Levi ultimately chose him over Erwin. But uh, yeah, that's a lot of pressure to put on Armin, dude. Like the guy is is freaking out. Now that I think of it, he's probably the only person, I guess, besides Historia, like who was part of that original group, I guess, Levi squad. He's the, I guess, the highest ranking member because he doesn't know that Hunt is still alive or that uh, Levi is, is somewhat, <laughs> somewhat alive. Yeah, that's so, true. Like the burdens placed on him. And obviously he has a lot on his mind, a lot on his plate. And he drops the the guilty bomb saying that, he isn't sure if he was the right person to be brought back to life and that he is he cannot stand in Erwin's shoes the same way kind of like I think Hans had a that similar sort of crisis um, back in part one yeah that's that was really hard to to hear from Armin he's panicking because the situation is fucked from all ends and he can't think of a way to fix anything and to your point, he says that Erwin could have done all of this without lashing out at anyone because he does feel bad about yelling at Mikasa. But the difference between Armin and Erwin is that Armin allows himself to feel things and have connections with people, whereas Erwin admitted, I think in season three, to like basically standing on a pile of bodies in, mm. in order to ensure the survival of parodies. Like he's not a bad character. He's not an antagonist, but he acknowledges that he made a lot of sacrifices in order to reach that end goal, in order to protect the greater good. Here, Armin's trying to protect the greater good while also minimize the amount of casualties along the way. And I think, I don't know if like one is more correct than the other. I think Erwin's approach is a more streamlined and efficient way of doing things, but Armin's is much more of a, a human way of doing things minimizing the amount of deaths that they have to deal with yeah that's a good way to put it i think wasn't erwin's goal always to just figure out like what was in the basement yeah we all wanted yeah. to know what the <laughs> fuck was in the basement and the poor guy didn't get to see it yeah um although i think armin like i guess in comparison his mission again to to see what the greater good is for parodies beyond finding out what's in that basement um, is a little more virtuous. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, earlier in the conversation, Armin says that Gabby is the key to winning over pretty much all of the remaining Titan shifters on the Marley side of things. He names Reiner and Peak. I just love that he's thinking 10 steps ahead because again, as we mentioned a bit ago, in case Aaron's plan fails, they should probably try to align all of the Titan shifters, if possible, to be on the same side to avoid another another situation like this happening all over again. So again, this is this is Armin still doing work. He he is still intelligent. He's still 
a great strategist. He just has a lot going on right now. And he even mentions that he's so exhausted that he could sleep for two days, but he still needs to do all that he can, all that's in his power to help everybody. I kind of feel bad because, you know, Mikasa wants to, like you said, Mikasa wants to help. She just doesn't know how. And, like, who else is going to step up to the plate besides Armin? And, like, in the next scene, we'll see, like, John is just sort of wrestling with what to do next as well. Yeah, Mikasa asks, what should I do? And that's when Armin lashes out at her and says, go help John, but think of a way to help him on your own. And I, I appreciate that he did that, right? Because that's kind of the, the idea with Mikasa is pushing her to be more independent. But I also feel bad for her because, as you mentioned, she wants to help, but this is all really new for her. Like, it's one thing to be given more independence when things are calm. She's being given independence in the middle of, like, the biggest crisis the world has ever seen. And she has the ability to to help in, in so many ways, especially because she's an Ackerman, but... She just doesn't know how. She's always been a follower, never a leader. Yeah, it's kind of like throwing someone into a pool um, who hasn't learned how to swim yet. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then the scene ends with Mikasa reala realizing that her scarf is gone. Do we think that crazy bitch took it or like what's going on there? Oh, the one that kind of fanaticizes her? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of who would have taken it she took <laughs> i off thought the like scarf. john would have taken it yeah start sniffing it like, <laughs> i know i think john still has a crush on mikasa i i fully feel that um but i think in the the scene where mikasa took the scarf off and placed it down on the table the only other person in the room with her was that crazy uh, that crazy bitch so yeah probably is her i don't know though but i think it's a sign that like she's confused she's lost and her scarf is missing which has always been kind of like a safety blanket for her and it's like, well, now you got to figure out what to do all on your own, Mikasa, because in the next scene, we find out that John is also kind of mentally checked out. Actually, just kidding. The next scene is Nicolo. Oh, yeah. A so, really quick scene before Gabby leaves with Armin. Yes. Status update on the Browse family. Nicolo continues to be a real one and says that he's going to stay back to protect the Browse family. I fucking love Nicolo. He is fantastic. We must protect Niccolo at all costs so that he could protect the Browse family at all costs. One other thing with this quick transition scene is um, Gabby having one more reconciling moment with Kaya. I just thought it was interesting that she encouraged Gabby to go by her pseudonym Mia, um, even though Gabby was kind of hesitant. <laughs> I felt like it was kind of like, I know I dropped like a, a, a Christian reference in the the previous episode. Um, I'm going to drop another one here. It's like the thing with St. Paul. Um, he used to be called Saul um, back when he was persecuting Christians, but then he saw a vision of Jesus and changed his name to Paul. So it's kind of like here, um, if Gabby were to adopt the name Mia, it's like she's she's a born-again Eldian or something. But when they say goodbye, Kaya says goodbye Gabby. Yeah. So more, I think it's also, <laughs> like it's, it's kind of like twofold. It's what you just mentioned, but then also Kaya acknowledging who Gabby really is and like accepting that, mm -hmm. which is a fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we still don't like Gabby. Um, Although she, her, her intentions, we know, at, at least at this point, are better. They're better. <laughs> they're, they're not, not great, but yeah, they're, they're better. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was nice, I guess. I'm just happy Nicolo's still there protecting the Browse family. <laughs> no, I'm just you know glad that Kaya was able to make up with her. 
Because um, I thought that was a nice moment between the two. Yeah, after all the hate and everything that, that everyone is experiencing, it is nice to have those moments. It's the children getting out of the forest. Oh, shit. There you so. go. So next we have the actual status update on Flock and John and Onyan Capone. And I think Yelena was there too on the yeah. chair, just being very <laughs> quiet the whole time. I know I speculated last week that um, Yelena was the one that was gunned down. But I didn't realize she's just sitting on a chair. She doesn't say anything in this episode, but she's still kind of distraught. Um, her, her, like, um, her existence is like very minimal in this episode. It's like she's just kind of sitting there in the corner, defeated, and mm-hmm. doesn't even want to be there. <laughs> no one wants to be there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so Flock's a little shit. <laughs> Fuck this guy. And actually, I was, um, I was on Mal looking up some info on voice actors in Attack on Titan Final Season Part 2. And if you've been on Mal, there is like a section around discussions. And I saw one that caught my eye. And it's just titled King Flock in all caps with like a bunch of exclamation points. And it's it's by some, I don't know, I don't know if I want to, bother reading off this username but the person basically just opens up the discussion on the forum by saying i don't care what anyone says but flock is a goat one of the characters with open with open goal and a good meaningful ideology his character goals ideology development whole cringe avengers character goals etc I don't know what the fuck this is. One of the best AOT characters. And then the next, the, the first reply says, Flock can go fuck himself. Yeah. No, no, I don't agree with that statement at all. Not the, no, I agree with the Flock can go fuck himself, but the, the whatever that Redditor posted. No, it's not on Reddit, it's on Mal. Oh, it's on Mal. Yeah. And then the one after that says, damn, bro, that's crazy. But like, who asked though? Because what I remember of Flock from. I think season three. Yeah, his is introduction. That, is that he's just, he was a coward. He was a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and now he has this like new grown confidence. He thinks he's all that. He's on a power trip. Right. You know what this is like? Okay. I want to know if anyone can relate to this. This is like when you go to an anime convention. Okay. Hear me out. When you go to an anime convention and you've got weebs in power but they're all technically just volunteers but they act like like they're the greatest shit yeah they're (laughs) the greatest shit of all time it's like when you give weebs even the little bit the the smallest bit of power they have like a total power trip that's what i feel like again if anyone's been to an anime convention you try to deal with some not everyone who volunteers at an anime convention is bad but sometimes you deal with those volunteers who act like they're not volunteers like they're getting paid to do this job and i just look at them like you're unhelpful you're on your power high, and you're just a volunteer. Dude, please, just let me enjoy the con. <laughs> that reminds me, you told me a story of one of your friends who was drunk, and he was called into like the, like whatever the con ops room, and they were trying to tell him that he was kicked out of the con for being unruly, and so he just. He just stood up and walked out. Yeah, and he's like, I'm going back to my hotel room. Like, you can't you can't get rid of me. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think they're, it's, it's just one of those things, man. People who don't often get power have power and don't know how to deal with it. And Flock, Flock is that way. But there was one more reply on this, this discussion that I thought was funny. Um, one person said, you don't care what anyone says about Flock, and we don't care what you say about him as well. What's the point of this thread? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's just you. It's like, it's just shouting into an echo chamber with this person saying that Flock's the best because they're not going to hear anyone else. They're just going to hear their own voice. 
Yeah, I don't know if they're trolling or whatever, but if this is the truth, then good luck to you, man. <laughs> and it's a shame because I know um, Flock is voiced by one of my favorite voice actors, uh, Kensho Ono, who did Jorno in Jojo Part 5. But <laughs> I guess he, he does his job well here in the way that he emulates Flock and making us really hate this motherfucker's guts. It's like Gabby's voice actress. She's phenomenal. She she really she she pumps in the emotion and that that helps us hate Gabby more. But that's the whole point. She does her job well. Kensho Ono do, Kensho Ono does his job well. Mm-hmm. Um, Flock does not do his job well because he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's crazy. <laughs> Again, it's just sickening that he thinks he has like this power over people because he says like oh Aaron told me about his plan 10 months ago and we're gonna build up this empire while destroying all of your homelands it's like he feels like he is Aaron's like right hand man right now but I feel like he is severely disconnected from what Aaron is really trying to do I wonder if we're gonna get a Yelena moment when in an earlier episode you know when yelena was telling aaron to like use the warhammer titan hide it underground don't don't engage i think it was the first episode yeah don't engage first episode of part two don't engage with the incoming marley forces and he looks at her and just keeps walking just like fucking swerves the shit out of her mm-hmm. i feel like that's gonna happen with flock at some point like he's gonna try to talk to aaron as if he's got this connection with aaron and aaron's gonna look at him and be like shut up <laughs> yeah we'll probably just smack him across the sea in his founding form. <laughs> um but then there were two and by that i mean we keep talking about how the scouts and specifically levi squad get smaller and smaller and smaller now we're just left with john and mikasa granted connie and um armin aren't gone they're just you know, off on an adventure and Aaron's not gone. He's just off on an adventure, but it's just weird to see Jean and Mikasa, the only two left here um, in this moment. And yeah, I don't know. It was eerie. Flock also reminds Jean that he originally wanted to live a comfy life in the inner walls, similar to what Hitch is doing. And Flock says he can go back to how he used to be, reckless, annoying, and cheeky. And then John's mm. just like, what did you call me? <laughs> I thought it was such a good moment. Like, the way Jean says it is still very subdued because he's still in awe about what's going on and what um, Flock is trying to tell him. But his his personality is still there. It, it doesn't go away. There's still a little bit of Jean there where he's like, what'd you call me? <laughs> yeah. I would say like Jean's matured a lot more because you, you forget that he was reckless, annoying, and cheeky for the first three seasons. But now he's his character has really developed into someone more competent and with a better head on his shoulders obviously than flock so again this is just a fuck you to that whoever that mal user was that was heaping praises on flock <laughs> and yeah we talked about this in the last episode because john really sh- really um kind of like outshined everyone in the previous episode when he took command of the situation and i talked at length about you know my one of my favorite characters in aot and, and how he's really grown i think here he's he's probably feeling a similar way to Armin, just like very overwhelmed by everything and confused as to, you know, what, what is good and what is evil. 
And I think he's showing a little bit of tendency uh, for his his past self, kind of thinking like, oh, we're free. Like, if we just let this happen, we'll be free. But I have this gut feeling that in, in the end, he is going to do the right thing because as Onion Coupon is leaving, he makes eye contact with John. Mm-hmm. And John has like this shocked look on his face like, oh, shit, there are still people relying on me. I need to, to figure this shit out. But also Flock has a gun, so I can't say anything <laughs> right now. <laughs> Last thing about Flock I want to mention. He does say to John, like, you're free to live as you choose now. Um, that Now that Aaron's um, unleashing the rumbling upon the rest of the world. But then on the flip side earlier, he kills the, the anti-Marleyan volunteer and is basically subjects the rest to um, the beck and call of the Eldian Empire and says, what's so wrong with submission? And that's where I again I think he has a disconnect with Aaron because isn't this technically what Aaron has been fighting against? Yeah, and this is exactly what the Eldians outside of Paradise are subjected to is complete submission. Right. So yeah, Flock is fucked in the head. He's got it all backwards. <laughs> you thought it was just his hair in season three that was fucked in the head. But no, he really is fucked in the head. <laughs> and again, this is what happens when you give somebody who has never had a taste of power a little bit of power, and now they don't know how to handle it. This is Flock, 100%. I don't know why he's the only one who survived Erwin's final um, assault against the Beast Titan back in Season 3. Like, that motherfucker, when he got up in the battlefield, I'm like, something feels wrong. Something's wrong here. This little shit's still alive. Yeah, and I forgot that he actually was a trio with um, Hitch, and I think the other person was uh, Marlo? Yeah, wasn't Marlo voiced by um, Tomokazu Sugita? I just remember that because when we watched the OVAs, I was like, wait a minute, that's Tomokazu Sugita's voice. Is it really? I'm pretty sure. Because I was so surprised. I didn't remember that. I'm going to look it up on the Attack on Titan anime wiki. And you are absolutely right. Marlo was voiced by Tomokazu Sugita. My boy. And wait, Marco was the other guy right who was um john's friend right marco's the one that got eaten by the titan after he overheard reiner talking right yeah and he was close with john right uh that i don't remember okay i thought he was um but just fight like two characters that were killed both are similar in name marlo marco wait what was porco's brother's name Marcel. Marcel. Okay, all yeah. the I M's. Get them, I get them confused. <laughs> I get Marco and Marcel confused. Yeah, all the M's. And no, it, it is John and Marco because apparently there's a shipping wiki. And oh <laughs> boy, is there really? Send me the link. I need to see this. Yeah, and there's an article on John Marco. <laughs> what the fuck? I can see there being an article on like Jean and Mikasa or Armin and Annie, but what the fuck, really? Send this yeah. to me. I need to see it. I need to see it right now. <laughs> no, yeah, I just sent the link to you. I I just thought they were best friends. You know what? This is what the anime community does. Not everyone, but there's a subset of the anime community where two characters will look at each other and they'll be like, they're gonna fuck. We're gonna ship them. They're gonna get together. Oh my god, John and Marco, this is so funny. We'll share the link in the Discord so that you guys can see this too. I didn't know this existed. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I get the point I was originally trying to make is that there is a sense, there is a sort of kinship between um, 
Marlowe, Hitch, and Flock. So I don't know if like Hitch will eventually just slap some sense into Flock, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. Marco's last name was Bot? Marco yeah. Bot? Yeah, <laughs> I I feel like do they even ever say any of their name their last names? Like there are some characters where I see their last names and I don't recall their last names ever being said in the anime. So just kind of you know is 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 all like unknown to me. But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at um these these shipping names: Marcojan, Marujan, Marujan, Jirko, Marjan. Botstein? <laughs> what Botstein. the fuck? Like their two last names because his is uh, Kirsten. Kirsten, yeah. Yeah, this is um, this is interesting. Anyway, moving on from this interesting ship that I didn't know existed. Next status update is Best Boy Falco, who is so fucking gullible yet again. Like he is almost too trusting, and it's honestly amazing that the kid is still alive. I'm glad he's alive, but the way he just immediately believes Connie and doesn't feel like something's wrong. I'm like, you, you need that intuition, Falco. That's what you're missing, and that's why you keep getting into trouble. <laughs> but he believes in Connie and trusts that Connie is going to help him. And I don't know, man. We'll see. And then he points out, like, the, the sunset, and that's where you get the, the title of the episode. Um, I don't know if this was something in that book of Mice and Men where, like, the sunset symbolized, like, the end of somebody's life oh my god <laughs> it, it, you know it's just fitting that yeah falco's the one who points this out but yeah this guy needs to just stop being so gullible like he he just needs to understand i mean i granted that he just uh evolved back into his human form after consuming porco and has no memory of it but yeah, he, he he just needs to stop being so trusting of people. He's so sweet and innocent yeah, in his conversation <laughs> with Connie. Like when he's talking to Connie, especially because Connie, we all know what's going on, right? Like he's talking to Connie. He's like, oh, thank you so much for helping me, sir. Like, oh, I, I know we're heading north. You're taking me to a hospital, but I got to get back south to my friends. Like this guy seems nice. Like in his inner monologue, he's like, good thing Connie seems really nice. I'm like, oh, my God, Falco, you're so precious, but you're so stupid sometimes. <laughs> like, oh, poor kid. And I thought that was the moment where Connie would have some sort of conflict with himself uh, because he has a flashback about his family um sending him off and bidding him farewell in in becoming a good soldier but i feel like connie's duties as a soldier are going to be put to a head here in whether or not he actually wants to protect falco or feed him to his mother yeah he does not seem to have any hesitation around this and that is um that's concerning but mm. i think in yeah in the 11th hour I feel that Connie will do the right thing, hopefully, because he's just like, I don't know, like Connie's dumb, but he's a great character that we've all believed in and he's given us re reason to believe in him. But I don't know. And by the way, it's kind of interesting hearing the two of them talk because Falco's voice actor is Tanjiro and Connie's voice actor is Zenitsu from Demon Slayer. Oh, so wow. here you go. How the turns have tabled. <laughs> um, one other thing that... I found interesting and I just realized this I think in this episode is Connie's name spelled C-O-N-N-I-E or C-O-N-N-Y because for 
ever. I have spelled it C-O-N-N-I-E, which is also how it is on Mal. But I noticed that the Hulu translations or the Hulu subs have C-O-N-N-Y. Am I crazy? Um, I've seen it as C-O-N-N-Y, I think, a little more prominently. Really? Um, I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like in the first three seasons, it was C-O-N-N-I-E. Um. I don't know. Maybe it depends on what service you use. Um, the AOT the AOT anime wiki uses C O N N Y though. Hmm. But it it also acknowledges other spellings which uses the C O N N I E. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um. Well, that's uh, obviously not important. I just thought that was something that I was confused by. Um. But Falco can't remember anything. He, he probably does not realize that he's now a titan shifter and that his brother is crispy and dead and that he ate Galliard. I'm still waiting for the moment Falco realizes all of this or is told all of this information. I'm just waiting for it. I, mostly because I'm scared to see the poor kid have a total breakdown at all of this news. Although he's always still kept the, a level head even throughout, like after, even after um, he found out he was aiding Aaron in in liberio um but it makes you think what his reaction is going to be after hearing like i'm sure this news the news of his brother's death is going to hit him a lot harder yeah because i think that this is just going to compound on the guilt that he holds from from back when he helped aaron unintentionally like it's just going to be too much for him to handle especially because he killed his own brother unintentionally you know what we'll say zeke killed his brother because that's really what happened there or is Falco going to be pushed to the edge where he defends himself using the jaw titan form? From and, Connie? Oh my god, don't hurt Connie. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> no. speculating. This is tough. It's like it's one thing when a character you don't like or you don't rally behind is up against a character you do like. It's another thing when you like both characters and you don't want to see either of them get hurt. But it's okay. Armin's on his way. He'll figure something out. Yeah, if he's not too stressed from everything else. <laughs> you also mentioned, because the, in the episode, Falco says he thinks he's seen Connie somewhere before, and you made this connection that I didn't realize. I think it's when Gabby killed Sasha. Yeah. Because they were all aboard the airship, and I... Part of me is like, how could you forget, Falco, that like that, that Connie was one of the people on the airship? Because I, I would assume that Connie would be freaking out. But then I kind of am thinking back to that episode, and I feel like they pulled Gabby and Falco away and like kind of tied them up pretty quickly before they could even see anyone's true reaction to Sasha being killed. Yeah. So maybe he just remembers Connie as like a face in the crowd, and that's it. Because, yeah, if I remember... Um falco and gabby were brought into the same room as zeke and then connie went back to uh tend to sasha's wounds so they barely saw connie until he came back to announce that sasha was dead yeah yeah Ooh, that's gonna be an awkward conversation in the next episode because i'm sure connie is going to bring that up in addition to his mom being a titan so then we have two final status updates which happened um 
at the same time. The first one is Magath and Peak, who are both still alive. Who cares? And I'm like, what the fuck? Since <laughs> when can a Titan shifter control their Titan from halfway outside the body? Has Peak done this before? Like she's driving it like she's actually in a car. She's like sitting out of the Titan body. Like and then an she ATV. It. Yeah, it's, it was fucking weird watching that. Maybe it has happened and I just don't remember, but that's, that's new. I know that... Galliard showed us that they can go in, like they can come halfway out of the body and then go right back in because he did that with a jaw titan. But actually controlling it from outside, I'm like, why haven't more people done that? Why? Why doesn't? Why isn't this like a more common thing, especially for the titan shifters whose titans can't talk? Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's I don't know either. Just... <laughs> I'm just like, why? Why aren't you doing this more? Like again, mm -hmm. Peak can talk, right? Like her titan can talk. Zeke's can talk, but. If you can't communicate with the people around you, I'm surprised they wouldn't like pop in and out of their Titans more often to communicate. Or maybe she was like midway through going back into her cart Titan form to to attack Hanj, but we didn't see it, and and then she Hanj stops them. Maybe. So I don't know. It was weird. Well, Hanj is Hanj and Levi are the other status update in this scene. And I love that Hans just kind of sneaks up on them. I was like, damn, I missed her. As soon as I saw her in the corner of the screen, just kind of like, hello, hi. I was like, damn, I missed Hans. I'm so glad she's back. <laughs> I also just love how she, you can see her tilt her head slightly and then raise her hand. Yeah. She's like, I oh, know. <laughs> just putting a little bit of humor into this bleak situation. Yeah. And I also love that Magath points his gun at her. And then she points over to the cart that's holding Levi, and she says, oh, who's that, you ask? Even though nobody no one... <laughs> fucking asks. <laughs> she just wants to get help for Levi, and so she just opens it up with a statement to a question that nobody, <laughs> nobody answered, I guess. Yeah, Honda's great. Levi's alive, although the way she bandaged his face, can he breathe? His mouth and his nose is covered, or are covered. Oh. Yeah, I don't right. Know. Can the guy breathe? <laughs> he may be dead now because you suffocated him unintentionally. <laughs> but I also love that she says that he is refusing to die. So he again, he is not giving up on his dreams and dying. He's got he's got things to do. He's got to beat the shit out of Aaron. Mm -hmm. Um, the I think the only status that's questionable at this point is Zeke. Oh yeah. And if the trope holds true that if you don't see a character die on screen, they're probably not dead. If Zeke is still alive, then Levi has got a—he's got some skin in the game there, right? Yeah, this would be like Levi versus Zeke 4.0 if you counted Zeke's explosion as their third battle. <laughs> well, we'll see. Hopefully, we get the status update on Zeke. I could see the next episode's cliffhanger being like Zeke, and then they cut the episode off. Like what they did here. Yeah, and what they did with Annie beforehand. I feel like that's kind of a, a common thing in the final season is they give us like a big reveal about a character and then immediately cut the episode off. Yeah, here it felt like like a Marvel post-credits scene. Just seeing the return of our beloved hero. And I'm just, <laughs> I am overjoyed that my boy is back. He's back. Well, then we get into the preview for the next episode. And there were a lot of things that we were shown. But the only thing that mattered to me was, Connie, don't do it, okay? Yes. You have that blade up against Falco's <laughs> face. Don't do it, okay? Please, please don't do it. I just, I can't. I love both of you. I can't see either of you die. I just, please, don't do it. <laughs> That's all I can say about the preview. <laughs> Here's my other, like, Christian reference. You know, you've always heard WWJD, 
um, in the past. What would Jesus do? Here it's WWCD. What will Connie do? What will Connie do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, that'll be my main concern going into next week's episode. Same. Same. And that's it. That's that's episode 82, Sunset, the, the talking episode of part two, maybe. I'm, maybe there'll be more talking. I don't know. But it, it was nice for me to kind of have that breather especially because we were on vacation. <laughs> yes. And I guess that brings us to our final thoughts for this episode. Again, Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 82, Sunset. So how many fuckboy flocks out of 10 would you give this episode? I would give it a 7.5, obviously because it doesn't hit as hard as the other episodes, but I don't think it's a bad episode by any means. I think 7.5 is at that nice point where it's not mediocre, it's not average, but it's not amazing or very, very good the way that some other episodes were. I think this was an important episode. It was a very much like needed status update episode because there are so many characters and so many groups at play that you kind of need these these episodes to take that step back, just kind of help you get your head around where everyone's at, what they're doing, again, what their mental state is, what they're thinking, what their plan is, so that you can have more um, context and clarity going into whatever we're about to see in the next several episodes, because I'm sure with the next episode or two, shit's going to hit the fan all over again. But what about you? I would give it a similar score. I would give this an 8 out of 10. As we've mentioned, this was even more of a breather episode um, as the action sort of de-escalates further and focuses on the again, citizens and soldiers of Paradis creating a semblance of normalcy and order amidst the chaos. And I know like people might have issue with these quote-unquote talking episodes, but the way I see it here is like it's, it's sort of like seeing like World War II films, and you always see like the action and and the battle scenes but i think what also enriches the experience is if you can see not just the boots on the ground but how these scenarios and experiences are affecting the people who aren't directly involved in this conflict again what are the repercussions of aaron starting the rumbling and how is this being witnessed and experienced by these ordinary people who aren't at the forefront of this battle. So it's nice to get a perspective um, from those viewpoints, and you get that here in this episode. Um, it was interesting that Annie kind of pulled herself out of the fight so soon, um, as we see with her backstory being revealed here. She's probably like, I got to eat something. It's been four <laughs> years. I need to eat something. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Or maybe like this happened off, off camera if, if Hitch just gave her a bite to eat. Um, I did feel that her presence was kind of underutilized in this episode after it being her reveal being built up so much in the ending of last week's episode. So I'm sure we'll get more closure with her story, um, especially with wherever Hitch is taking her to. I don't know if that's to like the port um, that's seaside on Parodies. And it'll be interesting if she ever reunites with her husband, Armin, even though, again, he's in a state of chaos right now. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah. know, I fully feel like Armin would have gone after Annie had Connie not taken Falco. Probably. Um, but I think it's, I 
thought here that Annie was in the same place in Shiganshina where the fortress was, but this episode establishes that she's in Trost, which is the where the military headquarters was. Um, so he couldn't just you know walk over to her where her crystal is because they're in two different districts. Um, but yeah, this wasn't an overly thrilling episode. Um, but I think, at least for me, in my humble opinion, the post credit scene makes up for it and is its saving grace. So. I'm surprised it's not a 10 out of 10 just because it confirms that Levi yeah. is still alive. <laughs> yeah, I guess the minus two is because I didn't see him more <laughs> this episode. <laughs> well, hopefully we see a shitload of him in the next episode. I'm very excited about that. As am I. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for being patient with us again. I know there was a, a one-day delay for this particular um, Attack on Titan special episode as we were returning back to Chicago, but we hope that you still enjoyed it, as always, as we are tired as fuck, but doing our, our best to bring the energy. Honestly, it's not even doing our best. It's because we're talking about Attack on Titan that we even have energy at all. I was so excited to talk about this episode. I As soon as we got back to our house... And I woke up in the morning. I was like, "Attack on Titan time!" Like, let's let's go. I'm ready to talk about it. We need to do this. So, yeah. Hopefully, it was a, another great discussion episode, and uh, we'll look forward to next week. Yeah, but for right now, my son needs to set, and I need to go to bed. Yeah, we need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to Patreon.com/slash Strictly Series. And subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday and when new Attack on Titan episodes are released every Wednesday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo. <laughs> I forgot to say it. Sasageo. <laughs> Shinzo wo sasage. We are tired. Good night. <laughs>